Good morning, Orlando. Wednesday morning on the 50,000-watt front porch. Welcome aboard here at 6 as we give you our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a shooting at YouTube headquarters leaves three wounded, and an Air Force sergeant killed in Iraq gets a hero's welcome. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. I've got new information on the YouTube shooter, and you will hear from her. And Trump wants troops to guard the border. I say bring it on next on Good Morning Orlando. Happy Hump Day at 6.01 on News Radio 1025. Three people are recovering from gunshot wounds after a shooting at YouTube's headquarters in San Bruno, California yesterday. Police Chief Ed Barberini detailed the injuries. We did transport four victims. Three of those victims had suffered injuries as a result of uh, gunshot wounds. The fourth victim was transported for an injury suffered that was not the result of a gunshot wound, but I believe it was an uh, ankle injury suffered trying to get away or flee the scene. The shooter is being identified as Nassim Agdam, who police say died of an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound after opening fire at the facility near San Francisco. Agdam appears to be a frequent critic of YouTube on her personal channel, claiming that the company was discriminating and filtering her videos. A website attributed to her makes similar accusations that YouTube was trying to keep her videos from getting views. It also features references to her being vegan and has graphic content of animals being killed. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. She was really scary. Unusual to have a woman try to engineer a mass uh, killing like this. Yeah, first um, one since 2010, since, the, right? yeah, since the San Bernardino. Yeah, who that was a partnership, a husband-wife. Right. Wife. right. Yeah. Um, in a moment, we're going to get into just who this woman was and what she is all about. I've got new information on her background coming up, Deb. Well, it's pretty easy. She's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Not anymore. Yeah. Former um, four Marines are presumed dead after a crash during a routine training mission. The United States Marine Corps says a helicopter from the 3rd Marine Aircraft Wing crashed about 90 miles east of San Diego Tuesday afternoon. The names of the crew are being withheld pending positive identification and notification of family. The cause of the crash is under investigation. Uh, back here in the Sunshine State, a fallen hero from Patrick Air Force Base in Brevard County is back home. Master Sergeant William Posh was killed last month in Iraq, and the entire base came out in full force yesterday to honor him and his family. The 36-year-old Posh, an Indy Atlantic resident, was one of two pararescuemen lost on March 15th who were from Florida. Staff Sergeant Carl Enos of Tallahassee was the other. President Trump wants to put military troops on the U.S.-Mexican border. Military analyst and retired Army Colonel Jack Jacobs says that might sound easy, but it's actually not. The only way you can do it is to federalize the National Guard. And for that, you need a couple of things, not the least significant of which is the compliance of the governor of the state, who actually owns those troops. Speaking at the White House yesterday, Trump insisted that U.S. troops are needed to secure the border until a massive border wall is complete. He said U.S. immigration laws are pathetic and weak and blamed Democrats, saying, quote, it's like we have no border. And you'll hear from the president on this in a moment. Meanwhile, Mexico wants the U.S. to clarify Trump's plan to put troops on the southern border. Trump again said yesterday that he wants troops to secure the border until his massive U.S.-Mexico wall is completed. Now, Mexico's ambassador to the U.S. has fired off a request for clarification to the Departments of State and Homeland Security. The ambassador says Mexico would not welcome a militarization of the border. 
And finally, thousands are expected to descend on Memphis today to mark the 50th anniversary of the King assassination. Martin Luther King Jr. was killed while standing on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel in Memphis on April 4th, 1968. A sanitation worker strike brought King to the city. He wasn't scheduled to speak, but was asked at the last minute because thousands had wanted to see him. A little later in the show, Deb, we're going to um, relive that dark day half a century ago and also ask Central Floridians who are listening to us in Good Morning Orlando, what is the state of Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream of racial equality and racial harmony 50 years later? Coming up in our 7 o'clock hour. Well, at the moment, it's uh, WFLA News Time at 6.06, and you can read about an Air Force veteran, specifically in Ohio, told the American flag violates, quote, community standards. Oh, here we go again. Yep, at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. As always, coming to you from the Frontgate Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Deb will be back at the bottom of the hour with the news, and of course, whenever it breaks, we'll have that as well. Yaffe's uh, running the show in the control room, our amazing executive producer alongside him and taking your calls. Stephanie, 407-916-5400 is the number. And if you don't want to face a busy signal potentially, you can be heard on the text line, 23680, never busy. Standard message and data rates apply there. Uh, More on this um, now dead woman who had it in for YouTube and um, wound up uh, wounding some people, and and Deb gave you the story here. But there is more on exactly who she is and some questions that I have about her background that is yet, I believe, are unanswered. We'll we'll get to that, and then Trump wanting troops on the border. I say, way to go. Uh, I'm on board. Uh, Stay tuned right now for your shot of winning your share of $480,000 in cash in our ongoing Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest. You could be our winner. We had a $1,000 winner in Volusia County two weeks ago. Listen now, coming up for the new key word of the hour, then text that word to 200-200. You could be our next $1,000 winner. And, of course, then an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes. Stay tuned. We Buckle up. It's going to be a wild three-hour ride here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Deb gave you the story of the YouTube shooter for a while in that enormous facility out in the San Francisco area, 200,000 square feet, 1,700 employees. We didn't know how many people had been killed. It looked like it might have been a real mass slaughter. And maybe this, this now dead shooter wanted it to be that way. It is clear that she hated YouTube. She had a lot of YouTube websites and, um, you know, for the number of hits and, and, and whatever that she would get, she would make some money. Uh, but then she says they started filtering her. She couldn't get as many people to look at her, so she wasn't making any money. She felt she was discriminated against. She is of Iranian descent, okay? She has a heavy accent. The first words she says are discrimination. The last word she says, I'm being filtered. Those are the two hardest to understand. But here she is on a YouTube video railing on YouTube the company that her father says she hated. I'm being discriminated and filtered on YouTube, and I'm not the only one. So recently, they also attacked my Persian channel, Nassim Saps. And if you go and check my videos, you see that my new videos hardly get views, and my old videos... 
that used to get many views stopped getting views. So this is because I'm being filtered. That's 39-year-old Agdam, Nassim Agdam, okay, Southern California. What I don't know is this. I'll tell you what I do know. She's not a Muslim, okay, even though she's of Iranian descent, comes out of the Middle East. Um, she is with the Baha'i faith, which developed in Iran when it was Persia back in the 1860s. I got an education as I pursued more information here. And um, the Baha'i religion, five to seven million people subscribe to it, practice it, and they're frequently persecuted for it, teach the essential worth of all religions and the unity and equality of all people. Was she here legally? How long has she been here? Was she vetted? Iran's one of those countries Trump has an issue with, and well, he might. Is she supposed to be in our country or not? Those are things we do not know. But that's what we have so far on this uh, obviously uh, unbalanced woman. Um, she apparently committed suicide. The others who um, were hit uh, are all, uh, all wounded, but they are expected, I believe, to survive. To set up um, an interview with uh, one of the top immigration experts in the country here in our next segment, um, I want to tell you about the big news from President Trump yesterday all of a sudden at the White House, and I, they're saying that the, uh, the Pentagon didn't know about this, the rest of the White House staff didn't know about this, but the president is frustrated as this Mexican caravan of refugees who are trying to get into the United States makes its way up from uh, the southern border of Mexico toward the U.S. border. Parts of it have broken down now. It's kind of an annual ritual. But the president is saying, I don't have a wall, and without the wall, by God, we are going to protect the border and the people of this country. And here is what he says he's going to do. Until we can have a wall and proper security, we're going to be guarding our border with the military. That's a big step. We really haven't done that before, or certainly not very much before. But we will be doing things with Mexico, and they have to do it. Otherwise, I'm not going to do the NAFTA deal. So there you go. He's using NAFTA as the bargaining chip. Classic Trump move there, no doubt about it. The, you know, the old art of the deal negotiator. There's an insurrection act that has been on the federal law books since 1807 in this country that governs the ability of the president of the United States to deploy military troops within the U.S. to put down lawlessness. That's what we have on the border. Insurrection and rebellion. Okay? It's actually separate from the Posse Comitatus Act. And there are those who believe he's got, as the commander-in-chief, charged with protecting the people of this country, that he's got the right to put the troops on the border. It appears he would have to get the blessing of the states on the border. He'd get it in a heartbeat from Texas. I think he'd get it in Arizona. He'd never get it from Governor Jerry Brown out in California more on that in the sanctuary state issue and a big story that will unfold out there in that regard in California from our immigration expert from FAIR coming up here in our next segment. If you're not familiar with uh, FAIR, we spent some time in Washington doing a radiothon with them. That's the um, Federation for American Immigration Reform. And a familiar voice will be joining us with all that's going on, with what the president wants, the situation in Mexico with the caravans, DACA, and the sanctuary state pushback by some cities in California. 
All of that is coming right up in a live report. Don't miss it. One of the best News Radio 1025 national correspondents, and he worked for NBC News that we've ever had on Good Morning Orlando, is back with us on special assignment this morning. Correspondent Joe Gomez now works for FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. He's been out in uh, um, Southern California, where, of course, you have California, the governor declaring it a sanctuary state, and now you're beginning to get some cities and municipalities pushing back on this. Joe, welcome aboard. I know it's, gosh, it's not even 3.30 out there. Thanks for taking one for the team here this morning, buddy. How you doing? Uh, no problem, bud. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm lucky to be on with you. Okay, well, listen, you've been traveling along the border out in that area. Um, in a moment, I want your comment on the president suddenly saying yesterday, hey, we don't have a wall, we're going to guard that border with troops. But first of all, um, tell us what's going on today out in Escondido in the San Diego area. So Escondido is uh, one of the largest cities in San Diego County. And today Escondido is expected to vote to join the DOJ's lawsuit against California's sanctuary law, which Good. prohibits uh, local police from cooperating with ICE. It's an unconstitutional law. And uh, if Escondido will follow suit with uh, Los Alamitos and uh, Mission Viejo, other cities, Orange County, also voted to do the same thing. So it's anticipated that once Escondido does this, uh, the county of San Diego uh, may likely uh, follow a suit afterwards. And what we're witnessing here in California is this grassroots rebellion, basically, against uh, state politicians. I mean, there is this complete disconnect with yeah. what local municipalities care about, which is their safety, and what the politicians care about. Well, I tell you what, I was so excited, even though I hated losing you, when you were going to FAIR, because the Federation for American Immigration Reform, we've had a great relationship, and they do such important work on the area of immigration. You've traveled along the border. What's your assessment of border security along the Mexican border as we speak? Well, I think that uh, we're in desperate need of a wall. I mean, if you look, at, and I, I went uh, along with the U.S. Border Patrol, and we toured uh, along the, uh, the Tijuana uh, U.S. Uh, border uh, for uh, probably a good 12 hours on Monday. And um, it was uh, remarkable to see how badly uh, just uh, in, in disrepair that primary fence is. And that was the first fence that was erected back in the, in the 90s, which was basically you know, an airplane landing mat. And it's rusted over. It's, it's a joke. Over. Border security is a joke right now and a very serious it's, one. Absolutely. It's an absolute joke. And what's, you know, you don't see this on television, by the way. But what, but what I saw, because it was so rusted through, you could see through the fence, was that the terrain on the Mexican side was actually elevated. So it, they make it even easier to hop over the fence. Like a yeah. child could hop over that fence. And so... I, it, 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 it's an absolute disrepair, need a wall. But then also, one thing that I found out, which I didn't realize until I came down here, is that Tijuana in Mexico is pumping its toxic waste, its, its sewage, uh, into the United States. 
and making the Border Patrol agents sick. Uh, they had me uh, walk through the uh, the riverbed of the Tijuana River, and which was dry except for some toxic sludge. And I I could, but I could stand for about ten minutes next to it before my eyes started to water and my lungs began to burn. What an outrage! We have one minute, Joe. Your reaction as an immigration expert now working for Fair to the president's call yesterday? Hey, till we have a wall. We're going to guard the border with the U.S. military. Well, look, this is a, Congress has failed to act, okay? The president's hand is being forced because Congress did nothing to secure the border. When they had the opportunity, when they passed the gigantic omnibus. So we have to do something if there's going to be over 1,000 people crossing illegally into the U.S. Is it the military? He could put uh, you know, a bunch of uh, immigration judges on the border, <laughs> turn those cases around. Rocket docket. I mean, he has to do something, clearly. If folks want to connect to the good work that you do and your colleagues at FAIR, how do they do it? Go to FAIRUS.org or ImmigrationReform.com. We do a lot of blogs, and we're doing more border trips like this to inform people about what's really going on. Fantastic. Always great connecting with you again. Joe Gomez on the southwest border in California in the San Diego area. Um, here for us on Good Morning Orlando. Take good care, Joe. Thanks, bud. All right, good deal. A shooting at the YouTube headquarters leaves three wounded and deputies arrest 16 men accused of trying to meet children for sex. Deborah Roberts, my co-host, updating particularly those of you just joining us here on the Wednesday edition of Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. News coming up. Good morning at 6.30. Good morning, Orlando. At the bottom of the 6 o'clock hour, Deborah Roberts updating the news now. And uh, yesterday we all held our breath as we had the, 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 the story unfolding at the YouTube headquarters in California. We didn't know how bad whatever this shooting incident was. Well, now we know, but there are still questions unanswered. Yeah, where authorities are investigating the motive for Tuesday's shooting at the YouTube headquarters. Police in San Bruno, California, released a statement saying that at this time, there's no evidence that the shooter knew the victims or that the victims were specifically targeted. Chris Dale, head of communications at YouTube, said the hearts of the entire YouTube community go out to those affected by the shooting. It feels like the entire uh, community of YouTube and, and all of the employees were victims of this crime. Our hearts go out to those who suffered in this particular attack, and our prayers are with uh, them and their families. Police initially thought the shooting was a domestic incident. Several people were injured Tuesday when the shooter identified as Nassim Ogdem opened fire at the streaming headquarters and then killed herself. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Sixteen men are arrested in an online investigation designed to catch predators who travel to have sex with children. The Polk County Sheriff's Office says the suspects taken into custody in Operation Cyber Guardian face 62 charges. Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd says children deserve to be protected. There's no one that should have a better life or a more protected life or a safer life than young children. Well, one of the men was HIV positive and is accused of trying to have sex with a victim without revealing the illness. In the meantime, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement is making it easier to find out the location of convicted sex offenders and sexual predators. It's upgraded the state website, which contains the information, by making it more user-friendly. It can also now be accessed on mobile devices. The site allows people to search for offenders by name, neighborhoods, and on college campuses. And finally, a teenager is facing charges after a disturbing discovery by a teacher in Volusia County. A teacher at University High School in Orange City found a decapitated chicken this week in the school parking lot 
and the head was found in a chicken coop used for an event over the weekend. While investigating, deputies got word that a student was bragging about biting the head off a chicken. 17-year-old David Jimenez was arrested yesterday, and he'll face a judge today on charges of felony animal cruelty. Wow, what an awful story that is. It really is. I wonder if he's emulating um, the old rock star, Ozzy Osbourne. Remember that when he supposedly bit the head off a bat during a concert? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't heard of anything quite like that. This seems like maybe a cousin to it, but who knows whether there's a connection, huh? I know, exactly. Throw the book at him. Nasty. It is. It is. You can get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Throw a chicken at him. Have him peck his eyes out. Does that work for you? That <laughs> works great for me. Beat him with the dead chicken. There you go. Gina like Cervetti right now joining us live from New York City in the Bloomberg Newsroom. And good Wednesday morning to you, Gina. Good Wednesday morning to you, bud. Deb uh, brought me breaking news right before the show. You know, we're going at it again. U.S. versus China with these mm. tariffs, etc. Um, stocks have been reacting to all of this and much more as well. What can you tell us? Right. Well, uh, after a Wall Street rally yesterday uh, prompted by some better-than-estimated car sales, at least in part, fears of a trade war between the world's two largest economies are back to haunt the markets. We've got the stock futures plummeting this morning. European and Asian equities have been lower. Right now we have the Dow futures down 551 points, so we're definitely headed for a bumpy ride today. Uh, Yesterday, as I mentioned, a nice rebound to uh, the markets. We had the broader equity gauge up one and a quarter percent. The Bloomberg Orlando index up about one percent. Again, the car sales pretty decent for the month, but... That's not the focus this morning. Yeah, absolutely right. You're going to give us a look at the back and forth, the tit for tat on the tariff actions being taken by U.S. and China and some of the specific goods that are being targeted. What do you have on Mm -hmm. that? Well, China says now that it will levy 25% tariffs on imports of 106 U.S. products, including soybeans, automobiles, and aircraft, in response to the proposed American duties on its high-tech goods. A list of 1,300 Chinese products the U.S. is targeting with tariffs spared some American American industries punished others, left many others struggling to figure out if they would be hurt or not. Uh, clothing and shoes were left off the list, for example, but consumer goods, goods such as TVs were included. Retailers don't like that. Uh, the impact of these tariffs also depends a lot on how much American companies rely on Chinese equipment to make their products. We are seeing pressure on Boeing shares this morning because Boeing could potentially be at a disadvantage here against rival Airbus to win deals in China, which is an important market for the plane maker. Yeah, absolutely right. And as we move on in the Bloomberg Business Report, I'm glad you're doing an angle off the uh, YouTube shooting that was so frightening at that massive facility, 200,000 square feet, 1,700 employees, you know, access points all over the place, which may well be a problem for facilities like this, right? That's right. The shooting outside the offices at YouTube has prompted a sense of dread over whether other corporate headquarters in Silicon Valley, which are laid out kind of like sprawling college campuses, are vulnerable to similar attacks. Locals and employees can wander freely together in the vicinity. Security guards typically stay at desks inside the buildings. One retired FBI agent who consults for tech companies tells Bloomberg that openness can work against companies. 
Interesting. And before you go, a Bloomberg item on pipeline companies. Apparently, they're having a problem with hackers. What's mm -hmm. going on? Four U.S. pipeline companies, Bud, have reported their electronic systems for communicating with customers were shut down over the last few days, with three confirming it resulted from a cyber attack. Yesterday, a company called Oniok, which operates natural gas pipelines in the Permian Basin in Texas and the Rocky Mountains region, said it disabled a system as a precaution. A day earlier, Energy Transfer Partners, Boardwalk Pipeline Partners, and Chesapeake Utilities Eastern Shore Natural Gas also reported breakdowns. Boy, terrific job as always. Gina Cervetti, the one and only with a Bloomberg Business Report every morning, 635 on Good Morning Orlando. I hope you have a great day in the Big Apple. We'll look for you tomorrow morning, Gina. Thank you, bud. You have a great day All as well. All right, good too. We are working on it, but it's early and you never know how things are going to go, do you? Got to be ready for anything. My wife and I watched the latest Roseanne episode last night. Got a few comments on that in a moment if anybody saw it. I'd like to know what you think. Something was definitely missing that was a big part of, of the reaction to the premiere show on the Roseanne revival, 407-916-5400. Also, do you agree with me? If the president wants to protect this country absent a wall with the military on the border, I support getting this done, even if it's not going to be easy to do it. I think I like what I hear from the president. Do you want him to go that route or not? 407-916-5400, Trump, and putting the military on the southern border. 407-916-5400. We'll have all of this, and we'll look back on the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. That was April 4th, 1968, and we'll relive it in later in this half hour. We'll have all of this for you and a great deal more, along with an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Boy, GPS is great, but you know, sometimes you have to kind of think it through on your own. What a story. Watch the Roseanne show last night. Enormous numbers when they ran their first two episodes, and we had her come out as pro Trump, her character, which she is off the air, Roseanne Barr. I'm not nuts about her, but I like the idea she supports Trump and his policies. They had some great Trump jokes, and she locked horns with her liberal sister on the show in the first episode, and I think that just drove the ratings through the roof. But then we saw almost none of that in the second episode that ran back-to-back -back last week, and last night was really interesting, okay, and some Trump-related issues about political correctness and parenting, et cetera, but not a single political joke or Trump joke. I think that needs to be a part of the show. I don't like to see him giving up on that so early. Um, let's talk about the president saying, hey, I don't have a wall. I got a country to protect. I'm charged with doing that on the commander in chief. We're going to put the military on the U.S. border. I support that. Here is Scott in Orlando. I wonder what you think, Scott. But I support it with you. Um, we're not in a war. Our military is is not battling anybody. Let's put them on the border so they can be sharp on their skills on search and seize. Um, you know, catch and release them, and all of that stuff. Yeah, we give them great training. We could look for tunnels just like they did in mm -hmm. Vietnam for the tunnels, and uh, we can stop this drug traffic. These trains coming in with these illegals, we just stop the trains and tell Mexico, if you don't help us, you're not bringing your goods across the border. So we're just going to shut off the train tracks. Thank you very much, Scott. Yaffe, I want your take on all of this, what the president suddenly called for yesterday, that I'm not sure too many people 
on his team knew about, that's the reporting anyway, putting the military on the border until we got a wall built. Well, we have a texter, uh, you can text at 23680, who makes a good point that I was going to make. It says, Bush put, na- George W. Bush, put National Guard troops on the border in a support role, yeah. which is interesting. So this wouldn't be the first time that this no, has happened. No, it would happened. not be. It would not be. Um, I support it. I mean, I agree with Trump. Let's just build the wall and we won't even have to do this. You know, build the wall. The yeah. border, even border agents want the wall to be built. Yep, absolutely. So let's get it done. Yep. 50 years ago today, the assassination of civil rights leader Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, there are a lot of you who are listening who are not even alive when that happened. We're going to relive that, and that's going to set up our 7 o'clock conversation on the 50,000-watt front porch. If Dr. King came back to life today, what do you think he would consider to be the status of his dream of racial harmony and racial equality? I'll tell you what, I'm mixed on that. Much progress has been made. It's undeniable. But we have fallen way short and continue to in many, many areas. So that's all ahead. Please stay with me. It's important, and I'll want to hear from you. Time for headlines now. Thousands expected to descend on Memphis, Tennessee today to mark the 50th anniversary of the Martin Luther King Jr. assassination. Dr. King was killed while standing on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel in Memphis on April 4th, 1968, 50 years ago on this day. The sanitation workers' strike had brought King to the city. Uh, Nonviolent protests and demonstrations that he was leading on their behalf, trying to get them better working conditions and better pay. Most of the sanitation workers were black. Dr. King actually was not scheduled to speak in Memphis, but he was asked to at the last minute because thousands had wanted to see him more on the uh, memorable speech that almost foretold his assassination that he gave the day before he was killed. You'll hear that in just a moment. And from a distance of 50 years, it really is. It's profound. It's chilling. The word came to most of the nation of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King, the civil rights leader, on this date in 1958. On television news... And it happened, the word came down, as Walter Cronkite was anchoring the CBS Evening News. And here is what he had to say. Good evening. Dr. Martin Luther King, the apostle of nonviolence in the civil rights movement, has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. Dr. King was standing on the balcony of a second-floor hotel room tonight when, according to a companion, a shot was fired from across the street. In the friend's words, the bullet exploded in his face. It was just awful. I will absolutely never forget it. That is as fresh to me, and I was a young guy then, as, as though it had just happened. Nobody could believe it. Five years after the assassination of President Kennedy, there hadn't been anything like this. Two months later, we were going to lose Robert Kennedy to an assassin's bullet. That night, April 4th, 1868, then-President Lyndon Baines Johnson addressed the nation and said this. This is just an an, an excerpt from the president uh, on the assassination. America is shocked and saddened by the brutal slaying tonight of Dr. Martin Luther King. I ask every citizen to reject the blind violence that has struck Dr. King who lived by nonviolence. Nonviolent protest was what Dr. King 
his version, his, his approach to civil rights was truly, truly all about. And there were many who did not subscribe to that. As a matter of fact, riots erupted in more than 100 cities around the country. I mean, there was just mayhem. There was death, destruction, and racial division. It was awful. I can tell you that the night before, Dr. King had spoken in Memphis, because he was there for the trying to help the sanitation workers, and he seemed to foresee his own death that occurred 24 hours later in this speech the night before he was assassinated. Listen. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. But what a speech. What a speaker. But, you know, I mean, it's almost like he knew his time was almost over. That's one night before the assassination. By the way, um, James Earl Ray was arrested, but not not until uh, June 8th, two months later, they found him over at the airport in London, extradited him here to the country. He pleaded guilty, sentenced to 99 years in a penitentiary in Tennessee, died in prison in 1998 at age 70. So we're going to reach the promised land, his address to black America. We're not there yet. I may not get there with you. 50 years after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King, my question to you, and I will give you my answer to this, and it's complex. What is the state of Dr. King's dream of racial harmony and racial equality in America 50 years after his death? 407-916-5400. Hit the text line 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. Get in early because I really want to know what you think. What is the state of that dream? Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on a Wednesday off the top at 7 o'clock. We update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you right here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a shooting at YouTube headquarters leaves three wounded. And a Florida take on the coming trade war with China. We'll have the details in one minute. And what is the state of Martin Luther King's dream for black America 50 years after his assassination? That's the question of the hour on Good Morning Orlando. Good Wednesday morning at 7.04 on News Radio 102.5. Three people are recovering from gunshot wounds after a woman opens fire at YouTube headquarters. The shooter is being identified as Nassim Ogdem, who police say apparently killed herself after the shooting. Police Chief Ed Barberini talked about how his officers conducted their search of the building. We conducted a, a quick, immediate search of the premises um, when the first officers arrived as pursuant to our active shooter protocol. And after that search was concluded, now we're going through with a methodical, slow search just to make sure that we cover all the bases. 
Ogden was a critic of YouTube and claimed on social media that YouTube was discriminating and filtering her videos. She allegedly uh, shot three people at the YouTube campus near San Francisco yesterday. One victim is in critical condition, one is in serious condition, and one is in fair condition. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. China is firing back at the U.S. with new tariffs, escalating fears of a trade war. China says it will impose a 25% tariff on $50 billion worth of U.S. exports. That includes goods such as soybeans, airplanes, cars, and chemicals. China's Ministry of Commerce made the announcement today after the Trump administration published a list of Chinese exports that could soon be subject to a steep 25% tariff as well. That covers about $50 billion worth of Chinese goods. China says the Trump administration's plan violates World Trade Organization rules. The news has taken a toll on pre-market trading with the Dow Jones Industrial Average poised to open hundreds of points lower. Will there be more fallout from the rising economic tensions between the U.S. and China? Dr. Barbara Caldwell of St. Leo University in Pasco County says probably. She says there's already been an impact on Wall Street. We can expect that prices that we pay today will increase. We saw a reaction in the stock market because the stock market reacts to expectations of of what may or may not happen. And so people get nervous when they hear things like that. Caldwell says it's uncertain how much of an impact China's tariffs on U.S. goods will have uh, here in Florida. Florida Citrus Mutual, however, says the Chinese tariffs won't affect the Sunshine State's citrus industry. Facebook accounts linked to a Russian troll farm are being deleted. The social network said Tuesday it removed 70 accounts and 138 pages controlled by the Russian-based Internet Research Agency. The company was one of three indicted for conspiracy and other crimes by special counsel Robert Mueller in February. The agency is accused of spreading misinformation to affect public opinion in the 2016 presidential election. And finally, the Department of Homeland Security revealed that it has uncovered multiple cell phone site simulators in Washington, D.C. over the last year. Secret listening devices. The agency said it was unsure who was controlling the devices, which can be used to track an individual location using their cell phone or even intercept their phone calls and their messages. Boy, that's disturbing. Yeah, and it's long been suspected that foreign governments are using these devices to spy on people in the United States. The devices work by tricking your mobile phone into connecting into them instead of an established cell phone tower. Now, once your device is connected, it will allow whoever is controlling that device to know your exact location. Some versions of the simulators can also eavesdrop on your calls and can be used to install malware on your device. Boy, we got to get to the bottom of that. I mean, the first thing you do is you smell the Russians in this, but it could well be uh, something domestic, you know, um, could be the Chinese. Who knows? Who knows? Boy, first word on that, Deb. Thank you. My you're, goodness. Yeah, you're welcome. Pretty frightening story. WFLA News Time at 7.07, and you can read about Elon Musk back to sleeping at a Tesla factory saying the car biz is hell. Get the details for yourself at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Question of the hour on the 50th anniversary of the assassination of civil rights leader Dr. Martin Luther King. You're going to hear a little bit of his I Have a Dream speech. He dreamt of an America with racial harmony and racial equality. Fifty years later, how would you assess 
the state of Dr. King's dream. 407-916-5400, text line 23680, standard message and data rates apply. Get in early. The lines are filling up. I'll give you my take on it, of course, but I definitely want to know your perspective on that important question on this day. Stay tuned now for your shot of winning your share of $480,000 in cash in our Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest. Listen for the new keyword of the hour. It's coming right up. Then just text that word to 200-200. You could be our next $1,000 winner like the one we had in Volusia County just a couple of weeks ago. It can happen for you. The keyword coming up. And then an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I want you to tell me what you think Dr. Martin Luther King would think of the state of his dream were he still with us 50 years after his assassination. I want to uh, play a little bit of his famous, his iconic, really, I Have a Dream speech given on the 100th anniversary of Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in 1963, and here it is. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. When we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Wherever you are on the politics and the approach of Dr. Martin Luther King, slain 50 years ago today, I've made my entire career in the communications field, and I've been a public speaker. As a public speaker, he was without peer, just unbelievably powerful. He really was. Now, the dream for Dr. King was of an America with racial harmony and equal opportunity across the board, that people of color not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Let me tell you where we are 50 years later, in my view, and you can tell me whether you agree or disagree, or if you see it another way, at 407-916-5400, text line open at 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. Enormous progress in the areas, just to name a few, of educational opportunity, of workplace opportunity for minorities. Enormous progress in blacks being visible in the media, TV, movies. It was almost non-existent 50 years ago. Now the Black Panther movie, you know, with an almost all-black cast, is breaking all the box office records. That's an enormous change. But we are falling so woefully short of the King dream 
Blacks and whites, by and large, are wary of each other in the America of 2018. We're wary of each other. We're uncomfortable. We're suspicious. Blacks thinks, think that whites are prejudiced against them. They, 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 they feel it. They perceive it. It is their reality. In some cases, it's absolutely justified. In others, it's not, but it is the way they feel. And as they say, perception is reality. Whites, a lot of them, if the truth be told, are scared of blacks. They get real nervous around blacks that they don't know when they're out and about. They fear they're going to become a crime victim. We still segregate whenever we can. The most segregated hour in America, I think, remains 11 o'clock Sunday morning in the church of your choice. There are some exceptions, but by and large, that is still true. We have open housing that was really only being initiated in Dr. King's day and forced by federal law. But the question is in your neighborhood. You say, well, bud man, we've got lots of black people all around our neighborhood. The question is, who do you spend time with, make friends with? Dr. King, I wonder what he'd think about the Black Lives Matter movement. He was all about nonviolent protest in the name of civil rights. And he got Black Lives Matter now. What do we want, dead cops? When do we want them now? What about black-on-black crime? 600 murders in Chicago in one year. Most of them, blacks killing other blacks. What would the great apostle of nonviolence say about that? What is the state of the king dream? That's my assessment. What's yours? Let's talk next at 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. Jaffe, before you check the text line on the State of the King dream, I'd like to know yours. You were not even alive when he was assassinated, but you're a great student of American history. Well, but I think a lot of your points were really well made. In fact, I think uh, there has been so much progress in the past 50 years. When you look at it, it's almost miraculous how much progress has been made in the last 50 years. You know, in our day-to-day lives, we go to work with blacks. We go to school with blacks. When we go to the store, we run into blacks. We, you know, in our day-to-day life, we deal with them and there's no problem. But I think a lot of it is, like you said, perception, which has been pushed by the media and pushed by social media, has created some divides. And it's a perception of each other that I think a lot of times isn't warranted. I think sometimes we should recognize how much progress there should be made, that has been made. What's coming in on that text line, buddy? Uh, One person says this, says, As a 50-year-old African-American, I see evidence of that dream, but we have a long way to go. Many of us do not take full advantage of our increased opportunities and choose to self-segregate in mostly non-white communities. I still encounter those whose first reactions are based on my skin color, or are surprised to see me after hearing me on the phone. I do not carry myself according to the stereotypes in the media. Still, it is better now than it was 35 years ago. Ben, you were first on the line from Claremont. The state of the king dream in your eyes is what? Well, Bud, as a teenager growing up during that area, I, I, I stood up with my black brother 
but now, 50 years later, I feel like I was played like a fool. Really? What do you mean? How do you how do you mean that? Well, just with the welfare fraud and the violence, and I believe their prejudice comes from the pulpit. My prejudice comes from the six o'clock news. Very interesting perspective, Ben. Thank you, Lori in St. Cloud. Good morning, Lori. Morning. Well, I, I agree with both of your perspectives. Um, I was 12 when that was happening, and I was just trying to think back when I was a kid. I don't remember prejudice. I, I kind of agree with Yaffe that over the years, you know, we hear, we, we get this perspective, and it, it comes right down to, as an adult for me, when I'm faced with that sort of something that, that is prop, almost propagandized, you know, um, if I Am I going to treat somebody differently? Do I view them differently when that, when a situation comes up, especially like a black person? I have to address that on a heart level. Why do I feel this way? Should I? Um, I do believe that we, we should judge, not judge, but, but a person by the content of their character, not you know, what they look like. And okay. that's something that we have to stop ourselves in our tracks. I do. And make sure I'm treating them because it's a reality in all of our lives when we're faced with it. And it has to be an individual effort and uh, and, the, right. and the fabric of society. You know, it, we're, we're built on individualism in this country. That's where we address okay. it in our heart. Thank you, Laurie, very much. I wish I had more time on that. Try to take a few more calls when Deb joins me here in a moment for our bottom of the um, hour news update. Deborah Roberts ready to go with a newscast, but you were in the newsroom when we opened up the phones and the text line, and we've had a tremendous amount of response to the question, what is the state of Martin Luther King's dream of racial harmony and racial equality in this country 50 years after his assassination? How do you see that? Uh, not as doing as well as I think that he would have imagined 50 years after he gave his speech. Really? Yeah. So you think he would be underwhelmed by the progress, not overwhelmed by it? Yes. In some aspects. Mm -hmm. In some aspects. I think the, you know, the uh, police shootings that, you know, garner a lot of attention, like Stephon Clark out in Sacramento, California, make it seem as if it's it's dead in the water. And yet in other instances, you have, uh, you know, you you have Jesus Christ Superstar on TV with uh, John Legend, an African-American actor playing the lead. So, well, and, and, you know, in the Black Panther movie, you're setting yeah, all absolutely. records. With all, you know, we talked about the presence of blacks in the media, which in movies, TVs, you never saw 50 years ago. No, Educational opportunity, workplace opportunity, et cetera. We've got a lot of callers who want to talk with us here. Let's have yeah, bring one or two of them on, shall we? Yeah, Will from Orlando would like to weigh in on this uh, issue this morning. Good morning, Will. Hey, good morning, Darlene. How are you? I get to talk to Deborah. Hey, you having a good morning? <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you two yes, want to be ma'am. alone? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know I'll have formosas with her on New Year's Day anytime. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but anyway um, I remember when Dr. King was shot. I was only 10 years old. But fast forward to, to January 20th, 2009, I watched Obama and his wife walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. And I, this old redneck actually got a tear in his eye thinking how proud Dr. King would have been if he were alive today to see this. Yeah, I, I will bet the same you, thing. That's a great point you raise. I will bet you if Dr. King were still with us and he'd be, well, he'd be an old man now. He could still be alive, but of course he is not. I don't think right. he ever would have imagined a, a black president within 50 years. I believe right. that would have overwhelmed him. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and, I agree. And, and I was even I even I was, you know, I, I was open minded. And unlike these little snowflakes today that want to complain about Donald Trump, 
I'm a, always been a conservative Republican. Yeah. I said, well, let's let's give this guy a chance. And it didn't take a whole long. Actually, one number one that turned me against him was Valerie Jarrett said we're going to begin we're going to rule from day one. And then the second thing where I really went south on him was when he said the Cambridge police acted stupidly. Yeah, but the day that he was inaugurated as president, you, the conservative, had the tear in his eye. And I think you had a lot of company there. Um, And I'm sure Dr. King was smiling from above. Um, How about another caller quickly here, Dan? Yeah, Albert in Winter Springs would like to weigh in on the subject. Morning, Albert. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I think we should just... Why don't we just admit that blacks and whites have distinct traits and cultures? And, you know, I'm not, I think naturally people segregate. We don't see, always see blacks walking on the street with whites or the other way around. All right. Well, so what you're saying, Albert, is the human, human equivalent of birds of a feather flock together. You know, I think there are definitely instincts that drive us that oh, way. Yeah. But, you know, we have intelligence, and we have the power of reason and a free will, okay? We need to use it. And if we're not using it, we need to start using it. Let's talk about a frightening situation we watched yesterday breathlessly out on the West Coast at the YouTube uh, headquarters. Yeah, where we all were gasping, not again, here we go again. The woman police say open fire at YouTube's headquarters is being identified as Nassim Ogdem. Ogdem was herself a YouTuber and has even posted lots of videos complaining the company, quote, discriminated and filtered, end quote, her content. A website attributed to her also features several references to her being vegan and has graphic content of animals being killed. Ogden died of what police believe is a self-inflicted gunshot wound after she opened fire at YouTube's headquarters in San Bruno, California. Four people were taken to the hospital for injuries, three of them shot. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The Dodger Stadium is shaking up its food menu this season in more ways than one. Executive chef Ryan Evans says much of the culinary inspiration comes from the city's unique food culture. Some of the new dishes, like the Cheeto Lote and the Chicken and Waffle Sammy, were tested as limited edition items last year but were so popular they've now been made permanent. Evans says there will also be a secret menu promoted only to loyal social media followers that will pay homage to opposing teams and their city's style of food, which I think is pretty cool. That's interesting. Other new items on the menu include smoked Jim Beam whiskey wings, the triple play churro sundae, King's Hawaiian lobster roll, and a spicy chicken sandwich on Texas toast. This is all too exotic and upscale for the Bud Man. I'm I'm a hot dog with yellow mustard. Say, Give me a beer and uh, some you know Cracker Jacks, some peanuts. <laughs> I mean, whatever happened it. to standard baseball fare? Now it's like. It's more gourmet than your gourmet restaurant. You can't hardly find the old stuff on the menu there. Exactly, you know? it's yeah. It's very interesting. Times change. Deb, thank you. You're welcome. Deborah Roberts back with the news top of the hour whenever it breaks. Of course, as we roll on toward the 9 o'clock hour from the Frontgate Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. If you have not won our sound judgment game, if you have not won it in 30 days, company says you're eligible to play and win. We've got the Trump board game. We're playing the game here in just a minute. Everybody loves it. Nobody else has got it. We've got the Trump board game. It's fantastic. Play it with your friends and see if they're still friends when the game's over. And we also have the Florida Film Festival. This is a great annual event. And you're going on us to see films you will see nowhere else. Okay? We're looking for sound judgment contestants who haven't won in 30 days. 
Load up on the 50,000-watt front porch. Just call 407-916-5400, and Steph will get you in the lineup. 407-916-5400. Sound judgment after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Good morning, Orlando. Wednesday morning and right in the middle of the show. Time for the Daily Sound Judgment Game. Couple of great prizes. One is brand new this morning. What are we offering our winner today, Steph? That's right. So today, bud, we have a four-pack of tickets to see a film festival at the Inzion happening April 6th to the 15th. It's the Florida Film Festival. It's back. This is a great annual prize. It's your first year with us. And the Inzion Theater is just great for this kind of thing. Go ahead, Steph. Now in its 27th year, the Florida Film Festival is an Oscar-qualifying festival premiering the best in current independent and international cinema. And we also have our Sound Judgment winner. We'll get their very own Trump Policy board game. Play Trump Policy with your friends, play it with your family, and very soon you'll know whether they are your friends. (laughs) Indeed you will. Everybody wants that Trump Policy game. Can't find it anywhere else, can you? That's why you need to be right here on the 50,000-watt front porch, because I got a pipeline. We got them. Okay, so there are the prizes. Are you ready to go? If you're frustrated by a busy signal, wait for a wrong answer and grab the open line that results at 407-916-5400. On this morning's edition of Good Morning Orlando, we have been marking in many ways the 50th anniversary of the assassination of civil rights leader Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which occurred on this date in 1968. For today's sound judgment, listen to some radio coverage from 50 years ago on WRUF in Gainesville up the road. Then use your sound judgment to tell me how old Martin Luther King Jr. was when he was killed. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., father of the nonviolent movement in the American civil rights struggle, was killed by an assassin's bullet tonight in Memphis, Tennessee. That was WRUF in Gainesville 50 years ago. They're now a sports station, by the way, but still on the air up in Gator Country. Let's go to the phones. How old was MLK when he was slain by an assassin's bullet? Go ahead, line one. I'll take a shot at 38. Very close but wrong. Open line, 407-916-5400. Grab it. You could be our double winner. Line two, how old was MLK? How old? Gotta let you go. 407-916-5400. Line three. How old was Dr. King when he was killed? 41. Yep. He said 39. Didn't he? What did he say? I thought I just heard 39. What are you talking about? Didn't I hear 39? What did you say, sir? Oh, I said 41. You said 41. Why am I hearing 39 in my headphones? What's going on, Yaffe? Maybe I don't know what to last. tell you. <laughs> you said 41. All right. Well, if now, now everyone knows the answer. You just gave away the well, answer. Well, let's see if anybody is listening, because I want to give away these prizes, okay? <laughs> and if the mistake is mine, please forgive me. I swear I heard in my ear a different number. Line four, go ahead. 39. Yeah, that is the answer. And I'm, I'm sorry. I, in my headphone, somebody said 39. Nobody's admitting yeah, to it I, anywhere. I actually, Tell so you, you didn't. Well, listen. Didn't give it away. Well, all right, listen. But we're still going to let you win, okay? Because everybody's a winner here in Good Morning Orlando. We give a trophy to. No, no. Wait a minute. We don't do that. It's not like Little League, right? 
That's what I rail against all the time. Anyway, we're going to let you win the prizes here if the error was mine. Forgive me. I swear I heard 39 from the prior caller. At any rate, what is your first name, please? This is Bob from Orlando. Bob from Orlando. You won the Trump policy game, and you're going to the Florida Film Festival. I hope you like those prizes. I appreciate it very much. Awfully good to have you with us on Good Morning Orlando. Thanks for listening to our show. Thanks, bud. All right, don't go away. You and Steph will have the conversation there. And, yes, we will pay off on the prizes. Right, Yaffe? Everybody gets a trophy in modern-day America, right? Everybody no. gets a trophy? Isn't that the way it Not is? Not here. Not here. Not You're here right. on Good You're Morning right. Orlando. All right, okay. Well, uh, listen, I'll take the fall on that, okay? <laughs> in a moment. We're taking away your trophy, bud. <laughs> Good morning, Orlando. So glad you're with us. Power Pack third hour coming up, including Deb's weekly legal brief segment with attorney Jeff Kaufman, okay? And uh, they'll be taking your questions. If you have a legal question, you can text him. Yaffe will sort it all out. Text now if you have a legal question for Deb and attorney Jeff Kaufman, do 23680. But they're also going to be focusing on a child who died on a water slide attraction, and now the ride designer is being sued? Could that succeed, that suit of the ride designer? And also another way for Pulse survivors and families to pursue Nor Salmon legally. And 10 Florida mayors suing over gun laws. Attorney Kaufman with Deb on legal, legal briefs at 840 and text your legal question to 23680. Good morning, Orlando. Wednesday morning on the 50,000-watt front porch. And here at 8 o'clock, you're just in time to join us for our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, a shooting at YouTube headquarters leaves three wounded and some Florida families protest prison visits. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And I'm live next with Central Florida Republican Congressman Dennis Ross on his Zero Act proposal to control government spending. It's coming up for you on Good Morning Orlando. And good Wednesday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 1025. Investigators are working to learn the motive for yesterday's shooting at YouTube headquarters near San Francisco. A statement by police in San Bruno, California, released last night, says there's currently no evidence the shooter knew the victims or that she specifically targeted the people she shot. Local resident Jesse encountered a couple of the victims of the shooting. I seen the girl running, coming down the stairs, took her, put inside the building, and Carl's Jr.'s put her in there. She was shot in the leg. She had a big hole in the leg. Then I went back out, looked, ran back up the stairs, just looked to see what happened. Another worker was there. I ran into him. He opened the door. I looked inside. And the other lady, she got shot inside the courtyard. Three people were wounded when Nassim Ogdem opened fire before killing herself. The family of the 38-year-old blogger told NBC News that she was a longtime YouTube user who felt the streaming site had cheated her. The ATF is participating in the investigation into the shooting. President Trump tweeted that he was briefed on the shooting and that his thoughts and prayers are with everyone involved. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Silicon Valley, meanwhile, is reacting with sympathy to yesterday's shooting at YouTube headquarters in a San Francisco suburb. Apple CEO Tim uh, Tim Cook tweeted that his company's sympathies were with the victims and their families. Google CEO Sundar Pichai, whose company owns YouTube, thanked the first responders and said he's focused on providing support for his employees. The CEO of YouTube, Susan Wojcicki, tweeted that her company will come together as a family to heal. Back here in Florida, a rule to impose new limits on family visits at Florida prisons is under fire. 
The Department of Corrections says it's trying to stop the flow of drugs, cell phones, and other contraband, but Kyle Williford of Orlando says it's not coming from the visitors. My experience as someone who was incarcerated in the Department of Corrections is that the contraband comes from staff members and they get paid uh, about as much as your average Walmart employee. Williford doesn't blame guards for trying to supplement their meager salaries, but he says the Department of Corrections should stop blaming visitors and take a long look in the mirror. And finally, today marks the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., Thousands of people gathered yesterday at Mason Temple in Memphis, Tennessee, in honor of his final speech, I've Been to the Mountaintop. Former President Bill Clinton addressed the crowd and remembered King through a video message. Very few leaders in our history have spoken with the eloquence, emotion, and moral force that Dr. King brought to that stormy evening there, uttering words that are as important now as they were then. King's daughter, Dr. Bernice King, also gave an address honoring her father. Earlier in the day, civil rights leaders announced a revival of the 1968 Poor People's Campaign, which will take place next month. Organizers say it will include sit-ins, peaceful protests, and 40 days of marches across the U.S. But today, thousands are expected to descend on Memphis uh, to uh, honor the 50th anniversary of the King assassination who was uh, assassinated while standing on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel on April 4th, 1968. WFLA News Time, it's 8.06, and you can read about an Ohio Air Force veteran told the American flag violates, quote, his community's standards. At 1025WFLA.com, the third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. Then thank you and good morning to you. Yaffe in the control room. Stephanie screening calls. We're going to spend a few moments live with Central Florida Republican Congressman Dennis Ross pitching his zero act, as he calls it. And I like what I see here in the interest of getting government spending finally under control. He is live with the Bud Man. we got a lot more coming up. Deb's legal brief segment. Um, you can text your legal questions to uh, Deb and Attorney Jeff Kaufman at 23680. I told you what the topics of discussion will be, and I'll give you more on that coming right up. And, of course, we have our opportunity for you right now to win your share of $480,000 in cash in our amazing Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest. Listen to the new keyword of the hour, then text that word to 200-200, and you can win our next thousand dollar prize somebody won recently just two weeks ago up in volusia county it can happen for you an update of course on orlando's news weather and traffic is just two minutes ahead stay with us here on news radio 1025 wfla anyone who's got an idea about how we get the out of control government spending under control in washington boy i'll tell you what you'll get my attention and definitely Central Florida Republican District 15 Congressman Dennis Ross has done that with his Zero Act that he continues to promote heavily. He has now risen to the post of a senior deputy majority whip in District 15. He represents constituents in parts of Polk and Lake and Hillsborough County. Welcome back to Good Morning Orlando, Congressman Ross. Thank you and good morning, bud. Yeah, we'll spend just a couple of minutes here today because I want to get that out there for folks to understand what the Zero Act, as you call it, is all about and how it would work. Fundamentally, it's the way budgeting is intended to be. You start with zero, then you start looking at what your needs are and your basis for it by means of statutory or constitutional law, and then you go to Congress and ask for those appropriations. 
Instead of what we've been doing for year after year is taking the last amount and adding to it without justification or accountability for what we've appropriated in the past. This is, this is a very fundamental – nobody argues with me on this, and my colleagues don't. It's just that they, they know that the bureaucracy runs our country. And so if they have to account for the appropriations we give them, then they'll have to start cutting waste and start to justify their existence. Right. It's, 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 it's very fundamental. When you have a family budget, when you have a business budget, anybody who does any realistic budgeting starts with zero and then builds from there. The federal government should do the same. Yeah, that's exactly the way you do it in a responsible home, no doubt about it. It should work in the government, and it has not in Washington. By the way, this is an acronym, your uh, ZERO Act. It's zero-based budgeting ensures responsible oversight. You know, you talked about you don't get pushback from your colleagues, but I'm not seeing that you're getting a whole lot of folks signing on to this. Congressman Sensenbrenner is a big name who has, but why do you think you're not getting more support on this thing? It has languished in committee now for quite a while. Yes, and, and, and unfortunately, again, I have to suggest that, that, that the bureaucracy, the, the, the organizations, the departments that we have ceded so much constitutional authority to uh, are getting in the way because they're the ones that have to be affected by it. Their budgets will be affected by it. You know, members of Congress can always say, oh, I agree with this, but uh, this agency, you know, they say this or they need that. Uh, we have to take the responsibility as members of Congress to be accountable. We're $21 trillion in debt. But, you know, if we believe in what we've done with our tax law that's going to increase our gross domestic product to at least a sustainable 3 percent, then we ought to start committing dollars to reducing our debt and deficit. And then one way to do that is to clean house and make our agencies accountable. This won't cost us any money. This this actually saves us a lot of money. Yeah, and, and it makes a lot of sense to me. Where do you take the Zero Act from here, Congressman Ross? Well, we, I will continue uh, to, to badger the Speaker to, to have it uh, either brought up before, before on a suspension vote or to at least have a hearing on committee. You know, we need to have the hearing on this. Why are we not doing this? Yeah, again, my, my Republican colleagues, who I understand, it is very difficult when you need 60 votes in the House. It is very difficult. No, you need 60 in the Senate. You need in 60 Senate, in the yeah. Senate. Yes, we, get, we need 60 in the Senate and 218 in the House. When, 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 when my Republican colleagues start fighting against each other and we have to reach across the aisle to get Democrats, it waters down our effectiveness. In fact, it almost neuters it at times. But if we're going to – we've got to show the American people that we're really serious about our debt and deficit. This is one step. This is without taking $1 away from any other agency saying we're cutting you by 10%. We're just saying justify every dollar you're asking for. Fair enough. That's Before you go, if people want to support this legislation, your Zero Act, what can they do? Uh, by all means, they can, uh, <laughs> they can, they can contact our office. Uh, my advice is to contact their member of Congress, right. to contact the Speaker's office, to contact uh, Kevin McCarthy, our WHIP's office, and say, you know, show us that you're true about being accountable with the dollars we send you. Support the Zero-Based Budget Act. I have to ask you here, because this really caught my attention, if you're such a fiscal hawk, how in the world did you vote yes on the bloated $1.3 trillion omnibus spending bill recently? Your colleagues Dan Webster, Bill Posey, Ron DeSantis, yeah. among others, did not. But you greenlighted this, this bloated spending plan that, that seems the antithesis of what your Zero Act is all about. How do we reconcile that? But I'll tell you this right up front. 
I didn't want to vote for this thing. I also know that our military is at pre-World War I levels. They haven't had we, – we're losing more people in training exercises than we are in combat. We are not at readiness. We need to make sure we ensure our fire, our, mil- our military, our police. But more importantly, we could have done much better if we had had 218 Republican votes. I- I'm telling you, one of the things, Bud, that's going to hurt us, and when I was elected eight years ago, I have been and continue to be one of the most conservatives. But I also know I was elected to get to yes, to make this government better, not to keep saying no. And we've got to get Republicans to get to yes so that we don't have to reach across to get Democrats to keep from embarrassing us with either government shutdown or uh, lack of appropriations. Look, I believe that this tax bill is going to sustain at least a 3% gross domestic product. I firmly believe that we're going to bring monies into our treasury by broadening our tax base and reducing our tax rate. If that's the case, then let's commit these dollars. If we believe that, if we as Republicans believe we're re-energizing the economic stability of this country, then we need to commit, and we should be committing over the next six months, a plan and a process by which we reduce our debt and deficit from this. This bill will allow us to at least reinvest in some of the most desperate needs that we have in this country, predominantly our military. It is called the Zero Act, driven by our guest live here, Republican District 15 Congressman from Polk, Hillsborough, and Lake Counties, Dennis Ross. Good to have you back on Good Morning Orlando, and we'll follow the progress of your Zero Act. Thank you, sir. Thanks very much. Have a great day. All right, you too. So what's your reaction to the Zero Act here? A lot to recommend it, in my view. 407-916-5400. What are your thoughts? Text me to 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. We'll hear from you, and I'll tell you what's coming up in Deb's Legal Brief segment at 8.40 every Wednesday with attorney Jeff Kaufman. Got some great topics here, and you can text your legal questions in addition to attorney Kaufman right now at 23680. We'll get back to the Zero Act and your reaction to it in just a moment after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, and I'll have that for you in only two minutes. Stick around here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Rich, you are on the line listening from St. Cloud when I brought on Congressman uh, Dennis Ross on his Zero Act to control federal spending. What's your reaction to that interview? Hello, Rich. Well, my, react, my reaction is uh, what I don't understand. I mean, we have all kinds of problems in this, in this country, uh, and I'm a Vietnam veteran, so I, you know, I'm really not too up on all the politics except all the junk you hear every day. Um, why, why don't they pass a, a, an amendment where every uh, year that these clowns in uh, Washington have to pa- pass a balanced budget? And the other thing, Bud, too... Because they have to right vote now. it. It's like term limits. They're the ones who have to vote for it in Congress, and they won't do it because they don't want to be hamstrung by it. Yeah, well, the other thing, too, is... And correct me if I'm wrong here, and I really enjoy your show and your input. Thank but you. But as I understand it, when these idiots in Washington... When the government does shut down, they still get paid. Why in, why, in, why in God's name do they still get paid for not doing their job? Because they get to make decisions like that. That's the outrage. The only thing you can do is hit them at the ballot box and vote them out and vote people in the campaign and, and hold their feet to the fire, committing to do these things that you and I know need to be done. Really appreciate talking with you here. Rich, call again. Good insights, good thoughts. And we always love it when our veterans are on the 50,000-watt front porch. Yaffe, on the Zero Act, what do you think? Um, I thought it was pretty good. I I mean, it's really just a lot of common sense. It's disappointing that the congressman voted for that 
that omnibus spending bill. Yeah. I think you called him out on that, and yeah. I think you were right to do I think, that. I think he was uncomfortable. He said it was yeah. because he prioritized the military spending increase that was in yeah. the omnibus. And that's what Trump said. That's why Trump said he signed it. Yeah, right. Which I understand, but um, in terms of his, his proposal here, it makes a lot of sense. They should have to justify every dollar they spend. It's just assumed every year that they get this much money and then this much more because there's an increase built in every year. And it's like, this is this is not working anymore. Each appropriation, they need to justify how much they're getting. And I, I like his plan. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll follow it here. But we did have to call him out. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, you give me a fiscal hawk then without having to explain. And he was willing to do it, whether you accept that or not, to vote for that bloated $1.3 trillion omnibus, you know, that a yeah. lot of congressmen here, to their credit, did not. DeSantis, Posey, Webster among them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I understand his point, but I wouldn't no. have voted for it. Yep. Hey, listen, I'm coming up the weekly brand new legal brief segment with attorney Jeff Kaufman and Deborah Roberts. Okay. A couple of the topics they're going to be talking about here. A child died on a water slide ride. It was a fluke and it was a decapitation. It was an awful story. Well, now the ride designer, not the operator, the ride designer is being sued. Where's that going legally? And is there a way for frustrated and angry Pulse survivors and their families in the wake of the North Salmon verdict? Is there another way for them to pursue justice against Salmon? And we have nearly a dozen Florida mayors who are suing over gun laws. Attorney Kaufman will talk about all of that and where it may be headed with Deb. And text your legal questions to one of the best in the business, Attorney Jeff Kaufman. And if time permits, they'll be answered on the air. Text to 23680. Text to 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. Deborah Roberts joining us now at the bottom of the hour news update. Uh, in advance of your legal briefs segment, Attorney Kaufman is in-house. Yes, getting ready for our legal brief segment uh, coming up about uh, 840. Okay, good deal. And we've um, billboarded the topics. You can text your legal questions as well to Attorney Jeff Kaufman at 23680. In the meantime, frightening story yesterday, um, the shooting spree at the big YouTube headquarters on the West Coast. What's the latest? Well, the woman accused of shooting three people at the YouTube headquarters has been identified as Nassim Ogdams, and her family lives in uh, Menifee, and she used to live there before moving to San Diego. Her father tells Bay Area News Group that he suspected she was heading to the San Bruno campus because she, quote, hated the company and was angry they stopped paying her for her content. He adds that they reported Ogden missing earlier this week, but that she was found sleeping in her car in Mountain View just hours before yesterday's shooting. Police say Ogden opened fire in a lunch area before turning the gun on herself. Three people are injured with one in critical condition and the others with less serious injuries. A motive is still being investigated. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. An injectable bandage made from seaweed and clay could stop internal bleeding in minutes. I am intrigued by this. Isn't this fascinating? That's what the biomedical engineers who developed it say. The teams at Texas A&M say the bandage also helps wounds heal faster. The material that's injected into the body is comprised of a gelling agent made from the seaweed and two-dimensional clay nanoparticles. Wow. I'm going to ask Dr. Kronhouse about this. Maybe he'll address this on the house call tomorrow morning in the 8 o'clock hour. I've never heard anything like this. I haven't either, but apparently these two ingredients form what's called a hydrogel, and it's highly absorbent jelly-like substance. 
It can also work well as a dressing for wounds. A report on the research is published in the latest edition of the journal Octa Biomateriala. And no, I'm not going to say that again. Oh, come on. No. no, no. Okay, good job. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, attention all shoppers, wedding in aisle 13. A Pennsylvania couple who met at a supermarket have tied the knot there, of course, with carrots and peas among their wedding guests. The Valley News Dispatch reports 69-year-old Larry Spearing and 61-year-old Becky Smith married Sunday at the community supermarket where they met 10 years ago. Smith says she was working at the supermarket when Spearing walked up and traditional act. He gave her a piece of paper with his name and phone number on it. Yeah. Yeah. So she says it was only fitting they tied the knot in the aisle where they met in front of about 30 people at their wedding, including family, friends, and customers after Becky finished her usual morning shift at the store. You might be getting married in the store, but don't you clock out early. I love it. The judge who performed the ceremony and did so as a customer saying the Carpenters, we've only just begun, says it was his first wedding at a grocery store. Store owner Georgia Thimmon says he was glad to accommodate the couple. I like that story. Isn't that a great story? That's good stuff. You can find love anywhere. Uh-huh. Even in aisle 13. Terrific. Say, coming up on Legal Briefs with Attorney Kaufman here, some interesting stories. You know, for those who, who want justice in the North Salmon case, particularly those close to it, there may actually apparently... The attorney says, be another opportunity for that, right? Well, we're going to ask Attorney Jeff Kaufman, uh, what about the civil route, since the criminal courts didn't uh, do any justice for yeah. Noor Salman's victims or yeah. the victims of her husband? We're going to ask about that. And also a story that, that broke this week about a, a ride designer at a water park being charged with murder. And kid, I'm really... Kid, kid was killed and, yeah. and charges for the designer of the ride? The designer of the ride. So I'm yeah. wondering, you know, from a layperson, from no legal expertise whatsoever, how can that happen and what does that mean? And we have some Florida mayors who are uh, joining together on uh, some legal action relating to gun laws, right? Yeah, exactly. Ten mayors in the state of Florida suing the state of Florida over gun laws. If we get a chance, we're going to also talk to Attorney Jeff Kaufman about that. But more importantly, we welcome listeners to text in your legal question. This is a great opportunity to get free legal advice. You can reach us at 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. But Attorney Jeff Kaufman is uh, certified in 18 states. 18 states. It's amazing. It really, really is. So he knows his stuff. Take advantage of this opportunity while it's available. Attorney Kaufman and the Debmeister take over the 50,000-watt front porch. It's the weekly legal brief segment coming right up. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Coming up right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes right here in News Radio 1025 WFLA. And welcome back to the 50,000-watt front porch on News Radio 1025. It's time now for Legal Briefs with Attorney Jeff Kaufman, nationally recognized personal injury attorney licensed in 18 states. And I challenge you to find another local attorney who can say just that. You can reach Jeff at any time. At uh, You can check out his website at whenyouneedus.com. Also, you can email him at jeff at whenyouneedus.com. Once again, Attorney Jeff Kaufman, thank you so much for joining me this Wednesday morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Deb. It's a good morning. It is a good morning, and it's uh, very, very appreciative that you're here sharing some of your very busy time. You and you, Bud, and I were talking off mic about how you typically have a 12-hour day. Yeah, days are a little busy. So uh, we really appreciate you taking time to come in and share your legal expertise with us because there's a lot of cases that happen that to the average person like myself with no legal experience expertise, you don't really understand the, how the law works. It's so much different than how we assume it works. And that leads me back to last week's 
uh, Pulse nightclub trial with Noor Salman, of course, being found not guilty on the charges in the criminal court brought against her of aiding and abetting and obstruction of justice. Obviously, the victims weren't able to get any justice in the criminal courts. Can they do a la uh, Nicole Brown Simpson's family and Ronald Brown's family who sued O.J. Simpson when he was found not guilty of murdering them and they instead took their case to the civil courts? Could the Pulse nightclub victims and their families go that route? Uh, it's real simple. Uh, exactly how you know the Browns and uh, the Goldmans sued O.J. Right. They could sue Nor. The only problem is in the state of Florida, you know, Assets are protected pretty well, and she really doesn't have too much. But what if there, you know, comes down the pike? You you read about that she's getting a book or a movie deal, and she could end up making millions on her story. What? Well, where does that leave the victims? Well, they can still go after her on it. When you say millions, you know, I don't really see her people going. Okay, let's. We, you know, stations aren't going to pay her a million dollars to give her her story, right? You know, because she is the bad person in this story. You know, this is different than another story where it's like, okay, we want it. It's really interesting and everything else. She sat by and watched her husband become basically, rat, you know, became radical. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then that's not really that interesting people. to find out that you're, you're basically, you could have told people and didn't. You know, this isn't something I think in most news companies, you know, they might get a revolt from their viewers too going, you're paying her? You're right, paying yeah. this really bad person? I don't think she has the same opportunities other people have as far as people paying her for her story as much, but absolutely she could be sued and they could go after future income off of this. Now, you had said last week that we may still see her in court over credit card bills and such. What what more legal action could we see for Nur Salman? If the state if the state of Florida wanted, they could actually file their own charges. And like I said last week, the big thing is, is that all it has to do is have some element outside of what the federal government charged her with. And there are a couple they could go after. Whether they will or not, you know, that that's up to them. Yeah, because it would be taxpayer money that would have to. Exactly. You're talking another hundred to $500,000 spent on trying to find this woman guilty. Okay. Well, this is a story. I, I'm personally asking this because I had a question of it. But for those, I'm just going to give a little background. Uh, Schlitterbahn, which is a water park in Kansas, the co-owner, Jeff Henry, is back in Kansas and is sitting in jail this morning. He was extradited from Texas to face charges of second-degree murder for the 2016 death of 10-year-old Caleb Schwann on the 17-story water slide Verrucht, which is German for crazy. He faces numerous other charges, and if convicted of murder, Henry could face between 9 to more than 40 years in prison. He'll make his first court appearance in Kansas on Thursday how does this happen? I mean, if you've built a water park, all of the permitting that has to go into it, the approval of the design process, how does how does this legally happen? Explain how this happens. Well, the thing, well, a lot of people aren't aren't aware of. They've already paid off everybody. Everybody who got hurt got millions of dollars. They already got paid. This is a state deciding. Okay, let's let's use this as a as a platform. Let's let's get some press out of this. Now, it's very important when you hear the words grand jury. They always say, well, the grand jury indicted. Okay, grand juries always indict because it's one-sided. You only have the state attorney or the prosecutor telling them what they need to know and telling them, hey, you need to prosecute. If the attorney in front of them tells them they should do it, they do it. Even if there isn't the evidence to support Absolutely. the charges? Absolutely. They just sit there and they say, "You, we're going to show you this. They'll even say what they're going to show them even if they don't have it. Now, when grand juries don't indict, it's because the prosecutor in front of them gave them the idea not to indict. So this is not, it is impossible 
for an attorney who's standing there alone without a, without defense fighting to lose this. Okay, because I was thinking, okay. you know, for it's anyone, it's not who a desi- big deal. Well, for anyone who designs these rides, for you know, designs attractions, of course, which hello, we're sitting in the most popular tourist site in the world. Um, I would think that would be cause for concern if you could be called on the carpet for an injury or a death years after the well, fact. Well, this is a little different because, you know, he's the owner. He's not an architect. He's not this. He did the designs. You know, he completely, you know, let's say he was negligent. Let's say he was wrong. He made mistakes. Now, there's a fine line between I made mistakes to being criminally negligent, meaning that you intentionally did something to hurt people you knew or should have known. Okay, well, in this particular case, they do have a chain of emails that they say backs up their case that Henry knew that there were serious problems causing serious injuries on this ride, and he still pushed forward and and skipped some steps along the safety route, and that's why he's sitting where he's at. There are a lot of different things that are going to come up. It's interesting what people say they're going to do. Like, example, the NOR trial is a good example. Oh, everything that the federal government was going to show they never showed. Right. Anybody can right. say, so, oh, we have emails that show she did that. What does the email say? Uh, hey, listen, I heard there's a report about rafts flying up in the air. It's different than, hey, this is exactly what happened. You know, you'll see the evidence when it's laid out. And like I said, for anybody who ever sees the word grand jury, grand jury is nonsense. Okay. Okay. Don't ever take that seriously because it's a one-sided argument. And if you can't win in a one-sided argument, you kind of suck. Well, (laughs) and if you want to win your sided argument, you definitely want to have Attorney Jeff Kaufman on your side. Once again, Legal Briefs with Attorney Jeff Kaufman every Wednesday morning here at 840, a nationally recognized personal injury attorney licensed in 18 states, probably in Kansas too, right? Uh, Missouri, yeah. Well, Uh, Missouri. Missouri, Kansas. Okay, you're working over to the other Kansas. Exactly. Different different form of Kansas. If you want to get in touch with him, you can. You can check out his website at whenyouneedus.com and email him at Jeff at whenyouneedus.com. Jeff, I hope you have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we'll see you here next week. Anytime you need me. All right, and the Bud Man will be right back on the 50,000-watt front porch and the rest of Good Morning Orlando. The late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., assassinated 50 years ago today in Memphis, Tennessee, gave an iconic speech at the Lincoln Memorial in 1963, his I Have a Dream speech. He dreamt of an America someday with racial harmony, equal opportunity for blacks, where you would never be judged by the color of your skin, but only by the content of your character. What's the state of that dream? We ponder that after we listen to Dr. King. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today from every mountainside Let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. When we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual,
free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. The I Have a Dream speech given by the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the civil rights leader slain in Memphis 50 years ago today. I asked for your input on the state of his dream, and we had great calls and text messages. Um, I think the progress is so incredible and so undeniable. What could symbolize it more than the election of a black president by the name of Barack Obama in 2008? Whether you agree with those politics or not, I don't think Dr. King ever would have imagined that such a thing would be possible within 50 years unparalleled growth in educational opportunity and workplace opportunity. Blacks visible in the media, TV, and movies in a way that they never were 50 years ago. But we fall short, do we not? In the reality, we don't like to admit that blacks and whites, by and large, are wary of each other, uncomfortable, suspicious in the other's presence. Blacks think whites are prejudiced against them and just won't admit it. Whites scared of becoming a crime victim at the hands of a black stranger. We still segregate when we can. Check your congregation on Sunday morning. We have open housing, but who do we wind up making friends with in our neighborhoods? What would MLK think of Black Lives Matter and what do we want, dead cops? When do we want him now? Black on black crime? I wonder. We'll never know. But it was um, a way to honor the memory of Dr. King, who was such an influential figure on the 50th anniversary of his death. We'll see you tomorrow morning from 6 till 9. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America.